It's Saturday, June 18th, 2022. Welcome to another episode of The Mike Newman Show. Today we will spend a little more time with Dr. Tim Jurgensen in another one of the episodes uh, that I tend to call Breakfast with Dr. Tim, uh, where we meet up for breakfast in a North Austin eatery and uh, talk about what's on our mind or what's been going on. And uh, this week we'll actually spend uh, more time talking about uh, the town that Tim grew up in, uh, Sayre, Oklahoma, and some of the work that he has in, in writing up the history of that town and specifically um, his age group, um, kind of the 15 years from uh, 1950 through about 1963-64. So uh, sit back, enjoy, grab a plate of migas or whatever you like to eat for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, and uh, join us for another episode here of Breakfast with Dr. Tim. Fire in the hole. Cool. How you been? I've been well. How about you? Good. Been a little, it's been a few weeks since we've done this, so it's good to be back in the saddle. Trying to trying to see if it's really like riding a bicycle that you, you never forget how to do it, right? Uh, uh, yeah, and when you're not that great at it, you, you know, just, it's just practice. Yeah. So it's another... Yeah, I, I think I was, I was starting to get to the point where I didn't stutter quite as much when I started to say something, but <laughs> that's probably all gone away and I'll be back to stuttering up a storm before uh, I get a point out. So, Well, we've got our caffeine. We're hanging out at our breakfast spot. God knows the world has given us enough stuff to think about or talk about, so uh, that's we'll, true. we ought to be able to do something, I guess. So what's on your mind this morning, Tim? Oh... I, I actually, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take off on a slightly different tact. Uh, I, I've been going to politics too much of, of late. Yep. And, uh, but uh, I thought, thought uh, and I might be able to get a little guidance uh, uh, from you as well. Uh, I, I come from a, a little town in western Oklahoma, a little town called Sayre. And... When I was growing up there back in the 1950s and the early 1960s, it was a population of maybe a couple of thousand people. But over the years, as after I left there and as I've lived various places and have done a lot of traveling, I always look back that that was a, a rather unique uh, place certainly a, an interesting place to grow up in the in the 50s and so about uh, 15 years ago or so uh, my graduation graduating class from high school was about to celebrate its 45th anniversary since graduation and a bunch of us were going to get together and so I started writing as is my want if uh, if nothing else is happening, I start to write things. I started writing something that I called a cultural perspective of the class of 1963. I graduated in 1963. And I wanted to try to convey, write something that tried to convey something about the culture that I grew up in, the little town that I grew up in, mm -hmm. and try to capture some of that. And 
it's always interesting to me. I've, I've read various things that I'd look at, books in particular that I'd look at, and think, well, that, that was an interesting book because it captured the culture of the time. And one of my older daughter uh, studied art history mm-hmm. in, in uh, college, and she made the point to me that in order to understand art, you needed to understand culture. And, and, and so one followed the other. And so I set out about trying to write something that would capture the, the culture. As I say, I've read other books, and they're all different. They, the, way they, the way they can capture a, 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 a culture... So not just the story they're telling, but the way they tell the story. The way they tell the story, yeah. Okay. And, uh, uh, for, for example, a couple of my favorite books. One is uh, by William Manchester, a book called A World Lit Only by Fire. Right. And it very much tries to capture the culture of the Renaissance, if you will, or the, coming out of the Dark Ages, going into the Renaissance. And, and it does that... Uh, as, as Manchester was uh, tended to do, uh, he, he did, did uh, uh, deep study uh, research of the history of the time, and he was able to to kind of do a narrative uh, of, of the, 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 the culture that, at the time. Uh, but another book uh, called that that. Uh, uh, was great from my perspective at describing a uh, culture was uh, the last lion uh, again uh, by by Manchester, okay. uh, but this was a three volume uh, biography of Winston Churchill, okay. yeah. and and so he he captured the culture of the Victorian age through World War Two in Great Britain mm-hmm. by literally following the life of Winston Churchill and. Uh, Churchill was so ingrained in the culture of, of the United Kingdom during yeah. that period that you followed the vignettes of his life and you understood the culture of the time fairly yeah. well. So when I set out to, to uh, try to uh, describe the culture of Sarah, Oklahoma in 1950s, and 1960s, late 50s, early 60s. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I uh, I set out to uh, to do that uh, largely by capturing vignettes of my experiences or experiences of others of my classmates, mm-hmm. uh, but interspersed with that uh, or interspersing that within an overall narrative of what I thought was. A description of, of a culture of the time, and so uh, I've been literally working on this activity for 15 years now, going on 20. Uh, actually, next year will be 20 years that I'll uh, have, have been working on it, and or 15, I guess. Uh, yeah. But, and 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 I I'm getting close to bringing it to fruition, but mm-hmm. it's. Both an interesting uh, activity, uh, as I, I've learned a lot as I've gone through it, uh, 
it's an interesting activity. But it also paints a picture of, a, of a, an interesting little place, little town, uh, out of the way. And ultimately, if I distribute this, the writing around a little bit, mm-hmm. I think it would be interesting to see if, if it strikes a chord with people that grew up in other small towns uh, what what would the description of their culture look like, and it would it would it be comparable to uh, the cultural uh, culture of say Oklahoma? Because you'll have a, I would assume, a microculture that was specific to say Oklahoma, which was a focus within say Western Oklahoma, Oklahoma, the Central Plains in general. And then you put that, you know, everyone there, an American, and then you take the Cold War, beginning of the 60s, that generational shift there between the World War II generation and then the Vietnam generation, because you're squarely in the middle of that. Right. Yeah, you, 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 you touched on it, 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 it exactly, the, the, the issues uh, that I've found, and there's one additional one, which is the impact of, of the culture by a single class within all of the rest of that culture. Specifically your high school class. My, single, my yeah. high school class, yeah. because I found that the, 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 the environment that my class grew up in was influenced by the culture of the town, but we actually had a micro, a, a further extension of the microculture within our class because we were significantly different from other classes of the the era, mm-hmm. and and so it's uh, it's uh, fascinating to me that. Uh, as I've as I've worked and traveled around the world, and I've traveled with you a lot, uh, we've experienced uh, a lot of the cultures around the world, and I've found it continually interesting that all of that culture and subcultures that I experienced as a as a, a young boy growing up in Sayre, Oklahoma, was relatively unique. Yeah, and. I think that if I trans- transplanted that 20 miles to the north or 20 miles to the south, I would have lived an extremely different life than I than I did. Yeah. And and so it's it's a it's an interesting it's been an interesting exercise and it's a, 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 a coming to an interesting fruition. The little town uh, Sayre was was fascinating to me, uh, again, in retrospect, because even with only 2,000, a population of around 2,000, it was an almost iconic town, Mm -hmm. uh, according to the stories that I've read and movies that I've seen and TV shows that I've seen. There were many elements of it, uh, of Sayre, that were were virtually uh, icons of, of the larger the larger world. Uh, 
So you would see those other movies or read articles, papers, yep. and you're like, yeah, Sayer fit right in that piece of it, that piece of it. And, and it did so, again, being a very small town, only a, a, a couple of thousand people. Mm-hmm. By that, I mean, so there were there were there were three movie theaters in the town okay now the fact that you have three <laughs> movie theaters in a town of 2000 is kind of fascinating in and of itself uh, but there were there were three movie theaters actually there were there were two there were three over a period of time but it, at, when one when a new one opened an old one closed at that okay. point so there were there were two in operation all of the time so was Sayre like uh, the county seat? Was it what just it, it was specifically a, it, about it, it Sayre? Was a, it w- would have lent to that, perhaps. There, well, the, the, it was a county seat, mm-hmm. and that was a that was a that was a, uh, uh, an overriding factor, I'm sure, in the characteristics. But it was also it set on Route 66. There you go. And so it was. On Route 66, when Route 66 was Route 66. Exactly. And, it, it, and Route 66 went through town two blocks from my house. So I mm-hmm. grew up uh, uh, across, uh, uh, close to Route 66. I had to cross Route 66 to go to grade school every day. <laughs> and, and so... They, that was that was part of the culture. If if you went 20 miles to the north or 20 miles to the south, you had little little towns, but they they missed those two major things. They weren't county seats, and they didn't sit on a major uh, highway yeah. that connected east coast to west. And it wasn't just a major highway; it was the major highway through that part of the country. Yep. And not that there weren't other major highways in other parts of the country. This one became iconic. Absolutely, yes. And 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 when I, as I was growing up, uh, for, for example, I would uh, had opportunities to ride a Greyhound bus. Uh, so Greyhound came yep. through town. I rode a Greyhound bus uh, many times from Oklahoma City to Sayre, 120 miles. Mm-hmm. And I still remember as you sat on the bus and you left Oklahoma City. And you pulled into the first stop, Yukon, little town of Yukon, or a town, a larger town of Yukon now, mm-hmm. you know, 20 miles away from the terminal in Oklahoma City. And as you... Which is w- probably on the Beltway in Oklahoma City it, now. It is, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, sorry. But as you, as you left that, uh, the, the driver would, would start to recite the coming stops, you know, mm-hmm. and so coming up, it was going to be El Reno and, uh, and, and then Weatherford or, you know, a couple of other little towns in, in Oklahoma, but then he would also go on, you, you know, to Amarillo, to Tucumcari, to Albuquerque, and it would always finish with Los Angeles. That was always the, the end, end point uh, of that route, of that route, and as a boy, I always found it fascinating that th- this this bus I was on. What if I stayed on this bus all the way to the ocean? Two more days, I would be there, right? <laughs> I'd be it might be in, in the promised land. Yeah, and and so that that takes you back then to the nineteen to the nineteen thirties, uh, whenever Route sixty six was the the. Uh, Golden Road, mm-hmm. the, 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 the yellow brick road from the Dust Bowl to the Promised Land. 
and lots and lots of Okies uh, made that bus. journey. Yeah. And certainly one of the, the, the iconic movies of that era was The Grapes of Wrath mm-hmm. and the story of the Jodes who lost their farm in Oklahoma and had to go to California to try to make a living. And they drove Route 66 from Oklahoma to California. And indeed, in the Grapes of Wrath, if you look closely, there's about a two-second scene in which they're driving down the main street of Cerro, Oklahoma, with the county seat courthouse in the background. Right there. Uh, it's, it's, it's right there. So that, 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 that growing up on Route 66... Uh, was a was a was a very much of a formative influence uh, for my life at, sure. at that time. And, and Sayer itself, we say it today in 2022. You know about it intimately. I know about it just from our conversations over the years and the the formative moments and things that you know we may get to in, in discussion over time about Sayer. But other people in the country. They pass through that town as well. I mean, it'd almost be like, you know, Oklahoma City, Topeka. You know, you think about roads along, say, I-35 or I-10 or... Yep. Sarah was a, maybe not a major, but it was was on the way. Well, it it was interesting enough that that, uh, one of our our, uh, mutual friends, Bertrand Ducastel, who passed away a few years ago, but... Uh, was a, a, a great friend and, and uh, an interesting person in his own right. Indeed. Grew up in Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, was a sky on Scion. 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 Yeah, S C I O N. Yes, folks, that's a, what we're going for. Of, yeah. of, a, of, a, of a wealthy, wealthy family, and his the culture he grew up in was uh, on the lead in Paris, mm-hmm. uh, the neighborhood. And we used to talk about that a lot, that, that we, we, we wrote a book together and we, we visited together a lot, traveled a lot together. Mm-hmm. And we, we always said that between where he grew up in Paris and where I grew up in western Oklahoma, we pretty much spanned the, the culture of the world at that point, or, or, or a good part of a it. A good part of it, for sure, yeah. And, and Bertrand found that interesting enough that, uh, as we had talked about it for, for some years, I'd obviously made many trips to Paris, and I, I knew his neighborhood quite well. Mm-hmm. He actually, one summer, took a, a driving vacation, and he went to western Oklahoma wow. just to see what... Just to see Sayre. Sayre, to see what it was like. He, he spent some time, uh, spent a day pretty much in... Sarah and Elk City and Eric, the the three towns along Route 66. That doesn't surprise me about Bertrand at all. No, no, it, it, it's not surprising. No, but uh, uh, he he he, I think had learned enough in my descriptions that mm-hmm. he kind of wanted to make a trip up there to see if yeah. if that really held true. You know, if it uh, was really there. Well, and just to feel it, you know. So it's a lot of. We read things, we see things on a map, we hear them described to us, but until you actually set foot there, look around, see things, you you can't really... I mean, that's where a lot of people say, you know... um, So, my my son got married recently, and 
they're going to go try to see some of the world um, right now, which, you know, without politics and COVID and everything else in mind, they're just going to go do it. And, and that's one of the things that, um, oh, what you got here? Uh, not that we ordered. Cool. Thank you so much. No, thanks. <laughs> well, that's how we roll here. Is uh, we're at the diner. That looked kind of. What was that like? A vodka cocktail with whipped cream on the top. It actually looked pretty good. Yeah, it felt a little bad chasing it off, but I didn't want anybody to. You know, <laughs> another side topic. I mean, they're offering us carafes and whatnot. You know, just to not interrupt or whatever. And we're like, that's okay. But uh, I'm not. A, I'm not above taking somebody else's <laughs> dish, but it looks oh, really good. What a shame. Yeah. So uh, anyway, they're heading off and um, going to spend six, eight weeks in Europe. And my wife was like, I wish I'd done that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. So just to the point of. Go see things when you have the opportunity to do so, and it'll be more real to you when you read about other things about it. So, you absolutely, know, Bertrand dipping his toe in, in Oklahoma and doing so, I imagine, out of respect for you and curiosity, and just another way to absolutely. build that relationship between the two of you. Yeah, over the years, I I traveled through because of work, traveled to Paris a lot. Yeah. And during the 1970s and 80s and into the 1990s, I, I once calculated that I, I had actually lived in Paris two years, two full years, one week at a time. Wow. I would, would, would travel over, spend a week, come back home, and uh, over uh, a 20- or 30-year period in there, I made well over uh, 100 trips uh, to Paris, and all of them were at least a week. Yeah, and uh, and so you 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 learn a lot. You you have the opportunity to learn a lot. I I, I had a an experience flying on a uh, a, a flight from uh, Marseille up to Paris uh, mm-hmm. one time, and uh, the lady sitting next to me was from Marseille, and interestingly enough, had never she had never been to Paris. And so here we're, we're traveling on a relatively short flight, and this kid from western Oklahoma is explaining how wonderful she's going to find Paris. Right. Check to, out this to, arrondissement. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, and, and to yeah. Go, see, you know, go see the Louvre, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I've often thought that, that general, that the... the, the uh, the, the, the iconic uh, picture of an American tourist in France is, uh, in Paris is uh, uh, you're standing by the information booth in the Louvre and the American tourist rushes up and a gentleman says, quick, where's the Mona Lisa? I'm double parked. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I was explaining to this lady uh, from, from France that right. grew up in France, uh, I was explaining... Uh, how she really needed to try to take in the Louvre. And I explained to her that my experience was that it took three or four weeks to actually visit the Louvre. 
And interestingly enough, I had done that over over the years. I had spent section uh, by section, section by section, uh, a, a, a half a day or a day at a time. Yeah. Uh, I had uh, been back to the Louvre enough that I I had pretty well seen everything that was available available that I could see. Yeah, I'm sure there were lots uh, lots of catacombs around that I couldn't see, but I I had seen it. But it is immense. Yes. Yeah. It's it's fascinating. And we could cover Paris as well in discussions because there's so much over all those years that, you know, not to be a tour guide or whatever, but there are... That's one of my favorite cities. We've traveled there together several times where our work overlapped. And I think I'm only up to about three or four months worth of <laughs> yeah. visits. But um, you you start to develop your favorites. Absolutely. And, and just, you, you find a pattern, you know the metro, you know the different forms of the metro, where they'll get you and all that. And... It's fascinating to watch that evolve as well over the years. Yeah, as I over the years, as I would uh, would uh, uh, my, my my trips, as I say, tended to be a week, mm-hmm. and they, they tended to have a, a very general character to them. Uh, when I would arrive, I would generally fly over a Saturday night, so I would arrive on a Sunday, and mm-hmm. in order to to try to adjust to the the time difference a little bit, while well, I would try to not go to not go to sleep, but. Uh, to go out for a walk when I arrived in Paris. And so exactly. I had my favorite hotels, and from the favorite hotels, I had my favorite walks. Mm-hmm. And when I, I when I, my younger daughter, when, when, I, when my daughters got into generally in high school age, uh, if not before, I would, would make it a point of taking them to Paris with me mm-hmm. uh, to, to get them introduced to, to, to traveling in, in general. And uh, uh, when I, we would show up at the at the hotel, uh, check into the hotel, then I would I would always be able to uh, say, well, would you like to take a, this walk or this walk or this way? I kind right. of you know, yeah. do you want to do walk one or two or three or three A How or many, three B? Right. And we've got the four hour walk, we've got the two hour work and walk, and yep. here's the seven hour <laughs> walk too. <laughs> so you've got that uh, dipole, if you will, of Paris and Sayre, Oklahoma. Yep. And in Sayre, um, when you're doing this work or this book, I know you've been looking on ways to do a pictorial as well. I believe on, on kind of the town. Right. What are we What are we going to find when when Tim releases this work? What's it What's it going to be like? Is it a well, so, is it a so, book or so, is it a series of essays? It'll or it'll, it'll it'll be it'll be it'll be a book, okay. if you will. It's uh, mm-hmm. so it, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, probably a short book, mm-hmm. but you know maybe 150 pages or something like that. Uh-huh. But the the the, uh, the the backdrop that I'm trying to, to put together, and, and I've had a number of old friends that helped me have helped me over the years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the first uh, one of the introductory things is to, to have a, a uh, basically a narrated tour of downtown. Okay. Uh, okay. Now you think that's that's funny in a, in a small town that has maybe six blocks of, of downtown to it, but it's it's fascinating to me uh, with the help of others, as I say, who have identified all of the businesses in the downtown area mm. uh, circa 
1956, okay. 1957. And so in, in, uh, in doing a narrated tour of downtown, mm-hmm. I've, I've already found it fascinating that when I would show a little part of this to someone else to, to get feedback. Sure. That, that immediately fired off a story. Fired off a story or, or, or a, a, a recollection. Oh, I didn't remember that store being here. I thought it was there. Hmm. Uh, I'd forgotten all about that place, that store. And so... So uh, you kind of iterated on the town. You, you yep. pieced together through and, these and, conversations. And, 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 yeah. and that part of it has been successful. Part of the, 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 the intent of all of this was to, to kind of put someone in the frame of mind of that yeah. little town during that period of time. And so that I, they could experience the culture as you experienced it exactly. through those businesses, that time. Right. That, so that you, you get a sense of the, of the physical surroundings. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, but then uh, the filler, uh, not the filler, the, the expansion on all of, of this then are little personal vignettes. Yeah, those of, are the uh, threads that pull it all together. Well, pull it all together, yeah. And so it's the, it's the vignettes uh, uh, along the lines of the movie uh, American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. You know, the, 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 that, that's a, a movie of largely of, of uh, distinct vignettes that in the end give you a sense of, of the culture of, uh, of that, that little town to, during that, that period of time. And and so, uh, I I have collected over the years uh, both my experiences, but other people's experiences, and try to to portray those in a a, a, a vignette, a written uh, vignette of uh, generally two or three pages. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the hope is that in the in the end that those little stories, those little vignettes. When you weave them all together, give you a sense of what the culture of uh, of the the town was during that right. that short period of time. Yeah. So, like from fifty three to sixty three, fifty four, uh, fifty five. Uh, actually, the 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 time period high, is, is, is n- no. The the, the uh. time period is nineteen fifty to uh, nineteen sixty three. Gotcha. Uh, and and uh, it's pretty much growing up. It's pretty much growing up, and it, it's bookended by the Korean War on one side and the assassination of John Kennedy on the other. There you go. That's the so uh, that's largely the the uh, era of the baby boomer mm-hmm. generation. Mm-hmm. Even though I come from the kind silent the generation. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry, silent generation. The silent yeah. generation is the yeah is the is the is the the, the, the previous uh, uh, generation to the baby boomers. Just before the boomers. Uh, yeah. And 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 so uh, I've visited with uh, some guys that have, have done extensive research and writing about generational cohorts. Yeah. And and they they've made the point to me that when you're born near the cusp mm-hmm. between two generations. You, you generally, over your lifetime, you, you kind of select which generation you're actually a part of, but the general tendency is that you identify with the older mm-hmm. generation rather than the younger. Mm-hmm. And so I, I have a tendency, I've, and I've always thought of myself as not as a baby boomer, even yeah. though I drew, grew up largely in the baby boom uh, uh, era. era. Yeah. 
but I, I, I've always identified with, uh, with the, the silent generation, the, the, the prior mm-hmm. generation, uh, because that, that, was, that was pretty much what I remember. That was the environment that I, that I was, was in. What were the years on the silent? Silent Generation uh, ran from uh, basically uh, the Great Depression around 1930 okay. to around 1946 okay. or 1945. Gotcha. So maybe 25 to 45. If you, if you think of mm-hmm. the, 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 when, they, when they studied generational cohorts, cohorts, C-O-H-O-R-T, cohorts, cohorts yeah, cohorts. Um, they, the, 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 the actual definition of, of the generations varies a little bit. It's not mm-hmm. a fixed 20 years or whatever, but it generally is, uh, goes from one demarcation point to another. another yeah. And for the, uh, for the silent generation, it was pretty much, uh, the great depression, uh, a little bit prior to the great depression through world war II. Okay. Uh, so my father would have been pretty darn close to that. He was born in November of 29 uh-huh. and was too young to be involved in World War II and a little too old to be involved in the Korean War. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was kind of that in-between. Yeah, and that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's, and, and that, that is, that's the general characteristic of the, of the silent generation. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, the, the older the older members of that cohort uh, were the the cannon fodder, if you will, of World War II. These were the these were the sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year olds that there. Uh, but the yeah. the, le- the leadership of uh, of World War II all came from the the previous generation to the to the silent generation. Yeah, and that. So at any rate, the, 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 the period that I'm looking at, as I say, is, sure. is 1950 to, to 1963, mm-hmm. and right smack dab in the middle of that, 1957, uh, was uh, a very intriguing year, and, 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 and for whatever reason, uh, it was defined to be that kind of year, that, that the, the, something called the International Geophysical Year was defined from the period of uh, July of 1957 through 1958, so it was an 18-month period. Interesting. Uh, in which, in which this was a worldwide event, in which there was a significant amount of collaborative effort and directed effort to study the Earth, and uh, right smack in the middle of that, or close to the middle of it. Uh, on October the 4th of 1957, the Soviet Union launched the first satellite, artificial Earth satellite, and prompted the space race, which uh, I then became, I was a, a child of the space race, uh, as, uh, as folks of that era were. So uh, it's, an, it's an interesting period. It's an interesting uh, 15 or so year period. And... Uh, it it has a, a a point in it in 1957 that pretty much delineates or d- divides my formative childhood from my adolescence, if you will. Yeah. Or and and for those in my the, the, for those in my class, the same way we 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 had a 
we had one very, a, a very different cultural environment mm -hmm. from our elementary school days through our junior high and high school school days. So another interesting characteristic of a small town in Oklahoma during that particular period of time. Yeah. Interesting. Because, you know, we all listen to, hopefully folks listening to the story, they're thinking back to their growing up and where there might have been a, a key inflection point. And for me, it was being born in the Cold War through the 80s, being very aware as a news nerd as I was in the mid-80s to going into graduating in 87, and then literally watching the wall fall on the television uh, in college, just huddled around with my classmates. And then not too long after that, watching the bombs drop in Iraq while we were over at the student center. Yeah. And, you know, Desert Storm, Desert Shield, all of that. That has changed the world. I mean, we, we, have, the, we have the security state now right. as, as a result of that. And anyway, so not to detract, or not oh, even no, to detract, no, that, it's a parallel, that's, really. That's, it's part like, of, that's part of the, the discussion. They, they, the thing things that, happen, that comes yeah. to mind... Uh, as you you were talking is is uh, what when, when you when, when you get as, as as old as I am if you still have fortunately the the mental, mental facilities to remember some of this stuff uh, yeah uh, it, it's it's fascinating to look back and and realize that you witnessed the full span mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i I literally remember the news program when they built the Berlin Wall. Yeah. So I, I remember, um, and I'm, I, I don't know for a fact, but I'm pretty sure that it uh, it was uh, that Uncle Walter uh, Cronkite yeah, yeah. Uh, was uh, is his was uh, his evening uh, uh, TV news show. Mm -hmm. But I remember the uh, the uh, the video, the pictures, the film at that time, the film of uh, of uh, the Soviets. Coming in and literally building the wall, yeah, and then uh, whatever that was, 30, 40 years later, the the visual images of the wall being torn down. Yeah, I think it was November of '89, if I remember yeah. right. And, and so, I, I, my my within my life, I, I spanned mm -hmm. that, yeah. and, and and there are a number of other things I, I've I've often uh, characterized that that uh, in my life I spanned. Uh, the point with uh, from the launching of the, the original Sputnik mm -hmm. to putting people on the moon, mm -hmm. and then we forgot how to do it. Yeah, then we were like, so, oh, okay, we'll put an airplane-ish thing up there, yep. and now we're not even going to do that anymore, yeah. and NASA's relying on a collection of commercial systems, which I guess is kind of okay. I mean, that's another topic, too, um, oh, yeah. is... Oh, is what what does space look like now? What 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 are our kids? What's their and their kids? Yep. What space? What space going to mean? Because <laughs> space has always been fascinating to me. I mean, it was it it obviously was a huge inflection point in in your life, and then the the back half of those fifteen years, I grew up you know dreaming of being an astronaut and. Um, 
you know, that, that was always cool. Yep. And, and now I just want to teleport places or, <laughs> or find the Stargate because I know they have it still buried in, it, it's, under it's Cheyenne bar- Mountain. It's buried somewhere. Yeah, yeah that, somewhere that, else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I, I think about that often. Yes, I, 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 I am a child of the, of the space race. Uh, mm-hmm. it, uh, it, uh, it was a defining characteristic for me. And uh, it, it, it was a it was a marvelous environment, and I, I think that that a lot of our of our failings as a society uh, since then has been has been trying to trying to recreate that environment, but without the rough edges, if you will, mm-hmm. you know, making it uh, uh, making it. Um, uh, safe and equitable and, and all of that whenever in point of fact it was uh, it was uh, it was a, is a we lived in a society with rough edges and our uh, our technology had rough edges and it made for an interesting or exciting time to uh, to, 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 to be to experience uh, but yeah it, it the, the, the space race, defined what I experienced educationally, what I experienced uh, socially, what I experienced uh, as, a, as, a, as a work environment and the like. It was mm-hmm. a, a very, very defining characteristic. Uh, but in, in doing that in a, in, a, in a small town, I guess maybe even some of those things were amplified yeah. um, uh, tremendously. I, I've, I've often thought that... Um, uh, not often, but I, I, I've thought at times I, I, I hear stories of people growing up uh, in great fear of the bomb, if mm-hmm. you will, and in school practicing duck and cover drills. Sure. You know, this is what you do to avoid the nuclear uh, uh, holocaust outside. In, in, in Sayre uh, of that era, uh, we had a uh, an Atlas missile silo eight miles south of town. We had, uh, I think, I once counted five, either five or seven strategic air command bomber bases within a 50-mile radius from town. Uh, we were 100 miles away from the Pantex facility close to Amarillo, Texas, where all United States nuclear weapons were constructed. And so as a, as a child growing up, uh, we never, to my knowledge, we never practiced duck never and cover drills because it was recognized very early on that in the event of, of a nuclear war, we were in within the targeting error bar of, of uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles such that... Uh, Missiles aimed for for Burns Flat Air Force Base were just as likely to land on top of Sayers anywhere else. You might not even get the white flash. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we you wouldn't wouldn't experience it all. So yep. we we you, you, you had something of a, developed something of a fatalistic attitude. Yeah. To growing just get up back in that to your device. algebra. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Yeah, and go to radio class. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, radio class was uh, was a uh, was an interesting one in that in. Uh, what it would have been 1959, I guess it was, mm-hmm. uh, as as part of the, uh, or maybe it's 58. Anyway, as part of the of the, the build up to uh, the space program of the space program, 
one of the one of the uh, prescient uh, observations on the part of uh, the society at that time was that the educational educational facilities needed to be upgraded if possible. Mm-hmm. And so an awful lot of money was funneled through the National Science Foundation at that time. And uh, they would spend money uh, grant offering grants to, 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 to enhance educational opportunities. One of the things that they, uh, that the, one of the grants from the National Science Foundation uh, provided uh, funding to start up a, an electronics technician program at the junior college in Sayre. Okay. And another interesting characteristic of a small town that uh, of, of 2,000 people, it had a junior college. Hmm. And to my knowledge, it was a junior college funded by the local school district. Very little funding from anywhere else, state or federal or anything. Yeah, that. yeah. It, was, it was it was all locally funded, but huh. but yep. they 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 the uh, the uh, folks that that led the educational system were pretty good about looking around to try mm-hmm. to get funding. One of the things they got was a grant from the National Science Foundation to start a uh, uh, an electronics technician program, so people okay. could go in and get a two year. Uh, uh, degree certificate, or certificate yeah. for for working on electronic equipment. Okay. And uh, so this was a, a junior college activity, but they brought two guys in, two gentlemen in, uh, who had been instructors at Air Force electronics schools. Uh, brought them in to start up this program, mm-hmm. and rather than just make it a junior college program, they made it a general program for. Uh, kids from junior high school on, sort of okay. ninth grade high school, basically high school yeah. on. Okay. And so I had the opportunity, uh, as everyone in my class did, had the opportunity starting from the ninth grade to study electronics. Hmm. And so by that I mean circuit design, circuit construction, or, uh, yeah. equipment construction, and, and the like. And one of one of the more interesting things is the the uh, the instructors understood within about six months that they weren't going to be able to teach electronics uh, at the level that they wanted to without having a good educational program in mathematics, particularly in calculus. Mm-hmm. And so the, the, uh, the two electronics instructors started uh, an augmented mathematics program. And okay. so... Within in, in four years of high school in Sayre, I, I actually had three and a half years of calculus. Wow! Not not just a calculus course, but but mm-hmm. three successive years of, uh, of, uh, of of calculus. So by the time I got to to college, I was I was mm-hmm. I was well into to, to, to junior level classes uh, wow. from a mathematics standpoint, but. Uh, and that 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 was that was a that was a uh, a non uh, it was a very atypical experience mm-hmm. for 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 uh, high school in in Oklahoma of, of that day. It was an atypical experience for high school in Ohio in thirty years later. I suspect so. so yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That was that was a lightning strike right there. It 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 really was and. Uh, it was it was uh, it was just a fascinating fascinating opportunity that uh, uh, 
I, I was smart enough, <laughs> if you will, yeah. or, or dumb, dumb enough, if, if, if you will. I don't know. I, I was smart enough not to avoid it, uh, yeah. uh, and, 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 and I took advantage of it a lot. And, and uh, uh, the things that, uh, opportunities that I had to, to, to learn some new things uh, exactly. carried, carried me through my life more than, than, than anything else. Uh, oh. I had the, another National Science Foundation uh, grant uh, was a uh, funded a uh, summer school uh, at the University of Oklahoma in mm-hmm. Norman. Uh, basically, it was just a, a ten-week program to give you a a one semester an experience of one semester of college is what it amounted to. Okay. So it it, it was uh, conducted on the on the OU campus. Uh, I think there were, I want to say, 50, 50 people that participated in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went to went down to Norman, lived in a dorm for ten weeks, and and uh, so, so the summer started, between your junior and senior year. Yeah, the summer between my junior and senior year in high school, okay. 19, 1962. Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, and uh, that that was the year that I one of one of the courses that uh, that. Uh, they offered was computer programming, so relatively new at the time. I was wondering when that bug got planted. Yep, bug. And that, that 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 <laughs> that carried me through probably more than than anything else. You know, exactly. I, I I got yeah. a, a a PhD in physics, but the thing that made me useful, if you will, in the in the business world or wider world after I got my PhD was the fact that I was pretty much a a total nerd about computer systems, and exactly. uh, that was useful, and that all tracked back to that summer school at, uh, at at OU that summer. Well, I look forward to us getting into more detail as we discuss over the coming weeks and months on some segments of this 14, 15-year period, and uh, in a little more detail, like pre-Sputnik, post-Sputnik, Absolutely. And, and yeah, I, I know so. I've I've uh, I've uh, kind of done a a, a scattergun no, uh, uh, look, is... look at it, but uh, uh, I think uh, in over future conversations, I would very much like to do that. I'd like to go back and kind of look at the uh, uh, what the environment were and the experiences were. Because uh, that all uh, lays down, as I can see, bits and pieces of your life and your experiences that they all have a way back into that that at least from my familiarity from Sputnik on right, right? so we've, we've discussed a lot of those types of things with the with the uh, the junior college and then the, the the computer and then so yeah looking forward to it and uh, it'll be fun yeah I'm sure it will <laughs> No, that's great. <laughs> once, once you've recounted some of these stories as many times as I have, uh, ultimately I have, I have to get them right. You know, I need to be able to. Uh, it's all good it. practice. It's all good. It's all. It's all. It's all good practice. Yeah. But. Well, thanks, Tim. I look forward to us doing this again. It'll be. It'll be. It'll be good, and uh, we, we might. I might even be more co- more coherent the next time. We'll. We'll uh, see. Very good. Thanks, Tim. Thank you. And that concludes another Breakfast with Dr. Tim. Um, thoroughly enjoyed uh, get to seeing Dr. Tim again after a few weeks away. Um, always good to talk with him. And just, um, yeah, as he mentioned, uh, probably heard those stories a few times uh, over the years, at least I did. And uh, it's always, um, 
I wouldn't say necessarily sometimes something new, but but every now and then um, we, we do cover some ground that it, it just kind of reminds you of, uh, of of some other thoughts or other experiences uh, that, that related to that. And um, really looking forward to hearing what Tim will uh, be sharing with us in uh, some of the uh, material that he's written on uh, those those different uh, phases of of life and the experience there in uh, Sayre, Oklahoma. Um, this podcast, um, thank you for listening, uh, is a value for value podcast. Um, basically, I'm doing this out of uh, a kind of a sense of a hobby, but also um, really wanting to help uh, push forward uh, a lot of the good work that that's been going on at. Uh, podcastindex.org, and more broadly, uh, the Podcasting 2.0 effort uh, literally worldwide. And one of the technologies involved in that, it's it's not totally about technology, but it's about being able to, um, in real time, uh, share, uh, send value back to uh, podcasters and uh, so the so-called creators, uh, that would be the (laughs) the folks... uh, uh, putting ourselves out in front of the microphone uh, to produce this material, but also, um, probably more importantly, uh, the folks on that have, that have developed the back end and the apps that you use uh, to interact with uh, podcasters, podcast hosts, um, through uh, modern podcast apps. And those apps are implementing uh, many of the features of Podcasting 2.0, the place to go find those is newpodcastapps.com, and you'll see a bunch of applications there for iOS and uh, Android and web applications, applications you can just, uh, players you can play in your browser. And while you're in that browser, you may wonder, hmm, how can I uh, set up uh, my own kind of lightning wallet, if you will, uh, which is uh, what we uh, have set up, or the folks in Podcasting 2.0 have set up as a mechanism to send uh, streaming micropayments and other payments known as boosts. And if you uh, send a boost with uh, a modern podcast app, that's a a value, a number of sats that you may choose to send to the podcaster. But in the podcast feed itself, what I've set up, um, or the podcasters are able to set up, is a a value split so that podcast app um, developers podcast hosts, um, the, the systems that we use to, to build the feed, for example, all of those are able to get a value back through a split of whatever you send uh, toward the podcast. And um, a way you can do that to onboard, onboard yourself into this world of streaming sats and, and value for value is a, uh, a website, a tool called getalby.com. So you just go on out to get. ALBY.com. And in fact, I'll put it in the show notes uh, in the beginning of June, June 1st, on the blog section of that website, they talk about uh, in their monthly uh, post, their monthly newsletter, they talk about their deep integration with Podcasting 2.0. And uh, give a good example there. Um, in, their, in their blog, they show, uh, for example, uh, where is it here? Podverse. So they show an example of the podcasting 2.0 episode itself, uh, episode 85, they're talking about there. And they share some uh, information on how to set yourself up to be able to um, put value into your wallet 
uh, at GetAlby, and then to uh, share that through their plugin. It's a plugin for your browser uh, to send that value back to the podcasters uh, through the value split and so forth. So um, take a look at that. Um, This is really uh, not just the future, it's actually the present right now uh, for modern podcasting, uh, but also uh, you'll see some things in there about, uh, or, or related to that, about music. Um, a lot of uh, musicians are starting to take a look at how they can publish themselves, uh, receive value, interact with their listeners and their fans, um, and do that through uh, basically Satoshi streaming, Boostergrams, uh, and um, you know, give some of that value to the to encourage the the um, musicians and podcasters to keep on producing. So um, just a little uh, feedback on that, a little bit for y'all to think about, look into, and um, probably need to dedicate a little more uh, time and effort to that to describe this for you uh, rather than just something I'm throwing on to the end of of the podcast. But uh, I do want to get this out in decent time. I'm actually doing this on Monday night after the Saturday that we recorded it. Um, but I uh, want to get that out to you all and uh, really appreciate you listening. Um, you can drop me an email. In fact, uh, if, you, if you have questions or you know, ideas on, on where I might go with, with the podcast at some point, at uh, mike at mikenewman.show. And uh, the way you spell that name is M-I-K-E-N-E-U-M-A-N-N. So until next time, thanks for listening and uh, take care.